Hey, this is Risto with another podcast here. The goal of this short podcast is to introduce the theory of planned behavior. Uh, and my intent is to introduce this theory and make it a bit more approachable. Um, obviously, if you want to get more deep into this for research purposes, there are plenty of scholarly articles that uh, have specific definitions for terms and uh, the definitions that I bring up. Um, if you're a visual person, go to Google Images and type in the theory of planned behavior. Uh, and you can see a diagram at the bottom, and that sometimes helps you kind of understand a little bit more about it. Uh, in uh, physical education literature, for specifically uh, student attitude research, basically looking at how students perceive physical education, leans heavily on this theory. Um, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can look at the review of research on attitude by Steve Silverman, published in 2017 in JTPE. Uh, the Journal of Teaching and Physical Education, uh, that gives a really good overview of the research in the area instead of jumping from article to article, kind of um, going one by one if you're just getting started. Okay, so the theory of planned behavior, here we go. A uh, lot of research around student attitudes specifically is based on Asian and Fishbane's theory of planned behavior. Uh, this was first published in 1980. This is a extension of their theory of reasoned action, which was more towards the late 70s, just to give you a little bit of a background. Um, the main factor in the theory of planned behavior is that the person's intention to perform a specific behavior or action, such as uh, going for a run after work, is influenced by their attitude toward that object. So I like running or I dislike running. Um, in other words, it's a way th um, that someone evaluates an object or activity, which in this case would be running. And to oversimplify this, uh, people's actions are related to their attitudes, which makes sense, right? Uh, this would explain why someone would continue to do the activities they like or enjoy or have a positive attitude toward on the other side of the coin, a person may discontinue doing tasks that they do not enjoy or have a negative attitude toward. So let's say you pick up boxing. Uh, you really dislike getting punched in the face. You probably won't continue doing that sport. Um, the theory of planned behavior breaks this all down to three items. So if you're looking at Google Images right now, you can see the three items on the left. Uh, the first deals with the personal. So the model calls this attitude. Uh, the second reflects on the social influence, and the model calls this a subjective norm. And the third deals with issues of control, and the model calls this perceived behavioral control. Um, so first, the personal reflects on the individual's attitude toward behavior, meaning it looks at the individual's evaluation of a behavior that's being performed. So think, hmm, I enjoy hiking, I love being in nature, and it's a fun thing to do on weekends this would be a positive evaluation of a behavior. Uh, the second, so remember this is called the subjective norm, is based on the perception of social pressure to perform or not to perform, perform a specific task. So think to yourself, uh, let's say my significant other is really bugging me to get off the couch and start working out. It's in my best interest to begin moving since I want to continue having a healthy relationship with the person, uh, with that person, this could lead you to doing something. Although maybe only for a short period of time, but because you feel social pressure to do it from your significant other. Okay, and third, the third one deals with control and how a person perceives his or her ability to perform something, some behavior. So remember, the model calls this piece 
perceived behavioral control. So, um, for example, if a young kid wants to be an Olympic swimmer, but there's no opportunities to participate in swimming in the local neighborhood, they may give up on that goal. And uh, as they see, they can't control that scenario and they may opt to do something instead. Uh, another example would be that someone wants to get back into shape and they start researching gyms and personal trainers in the local area and find out that they're really expensive and add to that the person doesn't have a job. So they don't have the money to pay for the gym or the personal trainer. So they may decide not to join a gym and then choose not to take action on getting back in shape. So all of this in a nutshell, uh, more often than not, people tend to do something when they view it positively. Uh, when there's a societal pressure to perform it, and when they have means to perform that task with success. Um, people may not always perform that action or that behavior, uh, even though they perceive it positively, if they don't feel like they have the means and opportunities to do so. So this is, for instance, personally for me, I love spearfishing. I haven't been in a few years because I don't live close to a beach and it costs a lot of money to fly the gear to a beach. So although I love this activity, I don't take action. I don't actually do it anymore. Um, so all that being said, uh, while a person might intend to perform the specific behavior, he or she may not take action. Um, so hopefully that clears up a bit about the theory of planned behavior. Uh, in a nutshell, again, if you like something, society puts a little bit of a guilt trip on you to perform that activity and you feel like you have the means financial or otherwise to do it well you'll probably do it um so we'll regularly highlight different theories on our podcast uh if there's one that you want us to highlight feel free to reach out to one of uh, any of us via email or twitter uh thanks for listening to another episode of playing with research in health and physical education